You're listening to In My Father's House with our pastor and teacher, Mike Fenizio, Senior Pastor of Harvest Christian Fellowship in New York City, New York. In my Father's house, there's a place for me. In my Father's house, where I long to be, oh, my heart will not be troubled. I remember what you said. What about us? Do we possess that God consciousness, knowing that His hand is upon us, that we have that assurance, that confidence, as we travel through our life's experience, that God is with us? Or have we forfeited that blessing because of our disobedience, because of our sin? And now we find ourselves inept, indecisive, depressed, because the Spirit of God has departed from us. As a child of God, He has His Spirit in you and His hand upon your life. But if you live in rebellion from God, eventually He will remove His hand from you, which is a dangerous place to be. This opens the door for Satan to rule your life in slavery to sin apart from God. Today, Pastor Mike will explain how Satan will use every opportunity to cause you to disobey God. And when you do this, eventually God will step away and allow you to live in this life apart from Him, a life of emptiness and unease. Now, here's Pastor Mike in the book of 1 Samuel chapter 16 as he continues his message, The Man God Chooses. This message is all about being used of God. The things that we allow or don't allow in our life that either allows us to be used of, of God or we forfeit the privilege of being used of God. And is there anything more special, as I mentioned in my opening remarks, than being used of God? So what are we talking about here? Well, that lowly sense of personal unworthiness. I think that's one of the chief characteristics of being used of God. Realizing you know, God, why have you chosen me? I am an unworthy servant. And then the wondering and contemplation of God's divine love. You know, that God would love me. That God would pour out his love and blessing upon my life. The eager longing for mercy to pardon and grace to help. A faith that grasps the promises of the word. I think that this is so very, very important a hope that is anchored in the person of Jesus Christ, and a love that bears all things. See, if you possess these qualities, these characteristics, and if you don't pray about them, make them a matter of prayer. Ask God to work these things within your life. You see, these are the things that breathe forth from the hearts of God's people, that give God pleasure. So these are the things that God is looking to produce 
in each and every one of our lives. And this is, this is not a list just for the senior pastor or the elders or the deacons only. It's for all of God's people, all of God's children. Now, let's go back to our text. Samuel is a little baffled here. All seven of the sons have passed by Samuel now, right? And God hasn't said or indicated that any of them are the one that he was to anoint as Israel's next king. So he's probably thinking, he may have even been a little, you know, miffed about this. God, why did you send me here in the first place? You disapprove of all of Jesse's sons. Okay, let's pick up now in this chapter, verses 11 through 13. And Samuel said to Jesse, are all the young men here? And then he said, there remains yet the youngest, and there he is keeping the sheep. And of course, he's referring to David who's tending to his dad's sheep on the side of a hill. Then he says, there remains yet the youngest, and there he is keeping the sheep. And Samuel said to Jesse, send and bring him. For we will not sit down, that is to eat, until he comes here. And so he sent and brought him in, that is David. And notice the way that David is described for us here. He was ruddy with bright eyes. Don't misunderstand what this is uh, describing concerning David. It actually refers to him having a healthy complexion. Probably the, uh, like sort of a redness to it. And the reason why he had a healthy complexion is because he was always outdoors, tending to his dad's sheep. And so he had this very healthy complexion about him, bright eyes. He was good looking. And the Lord said, arise, anoint him, for this is the one. And thus Samuel took the horn of oil, anointed him in the midst of his brothers. You can only imagine what his brothers and his father, Jesse, was thinking at this point. And the spirit of the Lord came upon David from that day forward. And then Samuel arose and he went back home to Ramah. And so the idea here, let's back up a little bit. Let me summarize this for you. The idea here on Jesse's part is, yes, there is one more son. He's the youngest, but I don't have much use for him. His head is in the clouds. He spends all of his days tending to the sheep, hanging out with the sheep, playing his harp, singing songs and, and such. And so I doubt if you will find him suitable. Well, what does this go to show us? Well, it just goes to show you that God's leaders are often overlooked. Isn't that the case, right? Nevertheless, a runner was sent for David. He is ushered into the place where his father, his brothers, and the prophet are waiting. And God spoke to Samuel. Notice there in verse 12, the latter part. And he instructs him, arise, anoint him, for he is the one. Now, no one was told the significance of this anointing. They're probably just all standing around with their mouths wide open. All David felt was the Spirit of God coming upon him. Notice there in verse 13. And by the way, this public anointing was the outcome of what had taken place in private between God and David long before this event that's being described for us here in this text. You see, God had already been preparing David for this anointing, for his kingship. You know, Josephus, 
the Jewish historian suggests, and we don't know if this is true or not, but he suggests in his writings that after David was anointed, Samuel whispered in his ear that he was to be Israel's future king. And we don't know if that's true or not, but it has been suggested, and it is included in Josephus, the Jewish historian's writings. Now, what the spectators thought of this transaction, we are not told. Maybe they thought that this was some kind of a designation that David would become now, at this point, Samuel's assistant. They were probably assumed that David was to spend some time with Samuel back in Ramah. And remember, it was there in Ramah where the school of the prophets was located. And so, therefore, David would go intermittently back to Ramah and be instructed there in the school of the prophets by Samuel. He would receive that instruction in the law of God. It would be there that he would hone his skills. So this time, again, as I mentioned, would be intermittent because notice, afterward, we are told, David went back to tending his sheep. And then in verse 13 of our chapter, Samuel went back to Ramah, David not accompanying him at this time. So Samuel's assignment has now been completed. And the remainder of this chapter, chapter 16, has to do with King Saul's afflictions, all of which is in the providence of God. So all of the remainder of this chapter and everything that's recorded in it has to do with King Saul's afflictions and how they became a means to bring David to court and given the opportunity to learn how to administer the realm. Okay, let's pick up now in verses 14 through 18. But the Spirit of the Lord departed from Saul. Notice in contrast, the Spirit of the Lord came upon David, whereas here in verse 14 we are told the Spirit of the Lord at this time departed from Saul. Now this is something that we need to take very special note of. You see, when God removes his hand from an individual through their disobedience, it opens the door for satanic forces to do their work in an individual. Oh, folks, be very careful about this. Be very careful. If right now you experience and sense the presence of God, his hand upon your life, man, protect that at all costs. If God, God forbid, he should ever remove his spirit from you, it opens the door for the devil to attack you, right? And so we need to, again, take special note of this, special care, uh, make sure that this is in our experience as well. And then in verse 15, And Saul's servant said to him, Surely a distressing spirit from God is troubling you. Let our master now command your servants who are before you to seek out a man who is a skillful player on the harp. Guess who that man was? Again, do you see how this whole thing is being orchestrated by God? All of what is recorded here is a part of the providence of God, preparing David for his eventual kingship. And it shall be that he will play it with his hand, and when the distressing spirit from God is upon you, and you shall be well. So this was the counsel given to Saul. So Saul said to his servants, Provide me now a man who can play well and bring him to me. 
Then one of the servants answered and said, Look, I have seen a son of Jesse, the Bethlehemite, who is skillful in playing. He was a mighty man of valor, a man of war, prudent in speech, and a handsome person, and the Lord is with him. Now, this is pretty interesting. So Saul may have suffered the effects of this evil spirit that we are told about here in this text, the effect of this evil spirit for several years before some trusted counselors confronted him to propose a solution. And by the way, in between verses, the last verse of chapter 15 and here in chapter 16, I want you to understand, although the spirit of the Lord departed from Saul, Saul continued as king over Israel for an additional 15 years. So David didn't ascend to the throne immediately. So during these 15 years, after the spirit of the Lord had departed from Saul, Saul began to suffer the result of these evil spirits that had come upon him. So these servants proposed a solution, and guess what? That solution was David. Notice there in verse 18. And also, I want to take some time out, and I want you to notice David's resume that's recorded for us here in verse 18. It's it's a pretty impressive one. So during this time, during this period, and notice the way that he's presented there, a man of valor, a man of war, prudent in speech, a handsome person, and the Lord is with him. Let's break this down for you. You see, during this period... David killed both a lion and a bear. A pretty supernatural feat, wouldn't you say? According to chapter 17 and verses 34 and 35, David testifies to this when, remember, Goliath of Gath, and we'll get to this in one of our future studies, when he's challenging Israel to send out their mightiest warrior to face him on the battlefield, and whoever wins the contest would win the battle, and there was no one who stepped forward. David happened to be present when the challenge of, the, of uh, Goliath was given, and he goes to Saul and he says, let me go out. I'll challenge this Philistine, right? And then he begins to rehearse all of, what, all of his accomplishments. And as he rehearses his accomplishments, he's re- he refers to his, as he was tending to his flocks on different occasions, He killed both a bear and a lion. And for his bravery, received from the people of his village, there in Bethlehem, the title, a mighty man of valor. So that's the reason why he's referred to or recommended to us in that way. But then also, a mighty man of war. And that was because he joined the local militia and he distinguished himself in battle against marauding Bedouins who frequently raided the villages and drove off the livestock. And thus he was designated a man of war. But then also during this time, in God's providence, his experience of being a shepherd. Think about this. Think about all of the occupations of being a shepherd. It also prepared him for his future service. That is shepherding the nation of Israel, tending and watching over his dad's sheep, the flock, feeding them, protecting them, healing the sick ones, 
bringing back those who wandered away. Listen, gang, all of these exercises corresponded with him being a good leader. Now, in the book of Psalms, we're given some more information about how that God providentially worked in David's life, bringing him to that place of becoming Israel's next king. And in the 78th Psalm, notice what it says. In the 78th Psalm, verses 70 through 72, rehearsing God, preparing him, God working in him, he also chose David his servant and took him from the sheepfolds, from following the ewes, the lambs, that had young. He brought him to shepherd Jacob, his people. That's just another way to refer to Israel. And Israel, his inheritance. So he shepherded them according to the integrity of his heart, and he guided them by the skillfulness of his hands. And then finally, verses 19 to 23, and that'll close out our chapter. Let's go back to our text. Let's pick up in verse 19. Therefore, Saul sent messengers to Jesse at the suggestion of his servants as a solution to his being vexed by these evil spirits. Therefore, Saul sent messengers to Jesse, David's dad, and said, send me your son David, who was with the sheep. And again, Saul had no indication whatsoever that God had already chosen David in his place. Do you see all of this? God orchestrating everything here? You know, I wonder what God is doing in our lives right now. You know, orchestrating details. You know, I, I wonder what God wants to accomplish through you and through me going forward, looking to the future. And you just, you know, you just never know. But here's our part. Let's just make ourselves ready and available so that God can do that work. Let's go on to greater things, right? It's exciting serving the Lord, right? Because you just never know. And it can happen in an instant, right? It's like, you know, this, this whole idea about going on this, this new network of, of, of radio uh, broadcast. I, that day, I just I got up. I never expected it to happen. And then just one thing led to another, and now we're reaching thousands of more people through our radio broadcast. You just never know. Every new day is just another opportunity for God to show himself strong on our behalf, right? You just, you just never know what God is wanting and willing to do in and through us. Well, in verse 21, so David came to Saul and stood before him, and he loved him greatly. Notice this relationship that began between Saul and David. He loved him greatly. And he became Saul's armor bearer, which was his position. Then Saul sent to Jesse, saying, Please let David stand before me, for he has found favor in my sight. So now for the remainder of the time, David was always at King Saul's side. Verse 23, And so it was, whenever the Spirit from God was upon Saul, that David would take a harp and play it with his hand, then Saul would become refreshed and well, and the distressing spirit would depart from him. Okay, so when matters of court became unbearable for Saul, when he became vexed, David played his harp and quieted Saul's spirit. It's sort of like David now has become a music therapist. That would be the modern equivalent of what is being depicted for us here. And his service became necessary. David became indispensable, and he accompanied Saul wherever he went. 
if Saul went out to battle, to war, well, David was found by his side. When he had to tend to affairs of state, you would find David present. All of which prepared David for his eventual kingship. Okay, so that closes us out our chapter. So what we have here, some concluding thoughts that I want to leave you with here. What we have here then is the record of the things whereby we gain or lose God's approval and anointing. And listen, you know, the anointing is not just for people who are involved in full-time ministry. Every one of us has a special anointing upon us. This is not just for seasoned Christians, but for even the babes in Christ, people who have just recently given their lives to Christ, who have been newly converted to Christ. You know, it's as if all of what's recorded for us here, the sun is setting on Saul's life and rising on David's. Now, what about us? Let's turn this around and let's point a finger at ourselves, if you would. What about us? Do we possess that God consciousness, knowing that his hand is upon us, that we have that assurance, that confidence, as we travel through our life's experience, that God is with us? Or have we forfeited that blessing because of our disobedience, because of our sin? And now we find ourselves inept, indecisive, depressed, because the Spirit of God has departed from us. Listen, if that's the case, and I'm not suggesting that it is, I'm hoping and trusting that this doesn't apply to you, but listen, if it does, I want to remind you that it's never too late to get right with God. That is why your heart is still soft and responsive to the instruction of God's word. What do we need to do? Well, we just need to simply ask God to forgive us and strengthen us and renew us in our relationship with him. Because, listen, we have the promise of restoration in the word. If we do those things that I've just suggested, let me give you a cross-reference for this. It's recorded for us in the prophet Joel, in chapter 2, in verse 25, where there we were told, and he, and he is addressing here, God is addressing the nation of Israel through the, uh, the prophet Joel, concerning Israel who had turned their back upon God. And he reminds them, He says, I will restore you the years that the swarming locust has eaten. And the locust here is a metaphor for sin. The devastation that sin takes upon, the toll that sin takes upon a person's life. In this case, the entire nation of of Israel. And so there's always an opportunity for restoration. If we just seek the Lord, appeal to Him, ask, ask Him to forgive us of our sin and renew us in our walk and our relationship with Him, that we might be strengthened in those areas that we are weak. In my Father's house, there's a place for me. In my Father's house, where I long to be. The book of 1 Samuel details how the nation of Israel transitioned from the era of having judges to a time period where they demanded to have a king rule over them. 
The pages that then followed include the rise and fall of King Saul, as well as introducing a person in the Bible that becomes one of the greatest men of faith, David. First Samuel's book of action and adventure, but also a reminder of God's swift consequences or judgment when people fall away from Him. So often you might wonder how a passage relates to you today, but there's always something to apply from God's Word, and this book is no exception. Take the life lessons in this book and keep them in mind as you're faced with decisions to make and directions to go. If you'd like to explore more messages from Pastor Mike, visit harvestnyc.org or find the podcast on your favorite podcast app. Be sure to subscribe. That way you'll be notified every time we post a new edition of the show. If you're in Midtown Manhattan, we'd love for you to come visit us. You can join us for worship this Sunday at Harvest Christian Fellowship. There's easy access from Port Authority on 42nd and Penn Station on 34th. Find out more on our website, harvestnyc.org. Make plans to join us on Thursdays, too. We're meeting virtually to jump back into the Word midweek and worship the Lord. That starts at 7.30 p.m. online at harvestnyc.org. That's all we have time for today. Join us again for more from 1 Samuel right here on In My Father's House. Oh